Peace, peace, peace. You are tuned into No Booking Info. I'm your host, Tree, aka Phil. <laughs> I'm still listen. I'm going to continue to push the nickname Tree until it sticks. Until people see me like, "Yo, Tree, what's up? What's going on, baby?" I'm like, "Hey, hey, hey, how you doing?" So until the, until I get that, and then I might revert back to Phil. But as long as I need to establish the name Tree. So I'm Tree. You're tuned into episode 20 of No Booking Info. It's a big thing. 20 is always a, a, a good number. 20 is a good number. That means you've you've been a consistent and consistent is always a, a great thing. So I try to think of people like athletes who wore number 20. You got Gary Payton. Gary Payton played for like, played for like 20 years in the NBA. So he was he worked hard every game. So this is the Gary Payton of podcasts right here. We're going to continue to keep pushing and keep giving out quality quality content with regards to to wellness, overall wellness. So as I said, this is this is special to me because at first I'm back after last week. Last week I had to take a I had to take a week off. I had to. I had a lot going on in my personal and professional life and when you continue to give 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 of self at some point you have to sit back and say, you know what? Listen, let me let me take a step back. Let me breathe for a minute. And so I had to find an area where I could I could take that time away. And so, you know, I can't do that with fatherhood. I still got to continue to be a father with work. I could do it somewhat. But again, I still have to give that energy. And so even though this podcast is, you know, sometimes it varies in length. It could be 30 minutes. It could be an hour and a half just to, to create the creation part of it, the creativity part of it, sometimes is, is draining, trying to see what's happening in the news, trying to do research. Because, again, I don't want to just give off the cuff information. I want to make sure the information that I give is clear and concise. And so I decided to take last week off and I feel better for it because now here I am refreshed, re-energized to get back onto the airwaves and to give to give some quality wellness information. And so with this episode is being no exception, I, I, I affectionately entitled this hip hop trauma, hip hop trauma. And so I got the idea for this for this podcast episode when I was I was on my way to work this morning. I was listening to I was listening to mainstream media, listen to the radio station. Typically, I, I listen to talk radio, a lot of sports talk radio. But today I decided to, you know, sometimes I delve, you know, back and forth to the hip hop stations and listening to music. And so it's something that's been consistent on my on my mind for some years now. Just the the message that is in music, especially hip hop music today. And so when I hear a lot of rappers, especially it was one song, it was one song that was being played. It's about 11 a.m. School is out here in Philadelphia, and so I'm sure there are kids who are listening to the radio and who definitely, I never remember when I was young, I knew lyrics to songs that I probably didn't need to know the lyrics to. But again, I wasn't hearing that on mainstream on mainstream radio. It might have been a CD or a tape on that or a tape that I was listening to. And so the song was Molly and Percocet. And... I, I don't even. I think the name of the song is "The The Mask by Future" or "Mask Mask Off by Future," and it's you know the chorus is Molly Percocet, Molly Percocet, 
And I've heard the song before, and I'm always just dumbfounded when it comes on. It just takes me to a place where I'm just in constant thought. And so it, I was like, you know what? I need to talk about this. I need to talk about the, the trauma that, that hip hop is, has always been notoriously known for promoting, but just how it's evolved over time. And more importantly, how do we begin to heal? How do we begin to change this narrative of hip hop being this genre that's misogynistic, that's trauma filled with things such as, again, misogyny, uh, drug abuse, absentee fatherism, and, and all these other ills in society. And so I, I, I tried to hearken back, listen, I'm not that old, I'm 33 years of age. So I cannot go back to the, the 70s and 80s to the origin of hip hop. Again, I, I heard the rapper's delight. I probably know all the words, but I don't know, really know the, the exact origin of, of hip hop. But I do know the tone, the tone of music and hip hop music in that time. It just, it was different. It was different in the seventies and the eighties and the, in the early nineties. So I, w- I was trying to decide, you know, try to, you know, do some history to, to see what the difference was. And and so I, I I came up with like the idea back then was this braggadocious rhyming, and so a lot of you know it was a male dominated industry it continues to be a male dominated industry. So a lot of it was about braggadocious rhyming. Let me show you that I'm I'm creative enough to formulate words um, and put this on a beat, and so people can people can like me, people can like what I'm saying, and show you how how better I am when compared to somebody else who's doing the same thing. Well, now we know the origin of, of rap. It has a, a heavy influence of jazz. It has a, a heavy influence of um, you know, African tribalism uh, in, in our, our chants back in the, in the mainland where, we, where man originated. But we, in the, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, early 90s, it was... It just seemed as a way to uh, something to be proud of, some something to, again, to show off, to s- some way to show that I am, I don't for lack of better words, I am better than you. But it, it 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 had a sense, it had a feel of that it was all in love. Now, granted, everybody still listen. The ills that we have today in, in today's society were ills that we had back then. However, again, it was more of expression in a sense where I mean, I'm expressing what I'm feeling. However, I'm not necessarily promoting what it is that I'm feeling. And and well, I'll get into that a little bit later as I, as I continue to talk about the evolution. And so with the evolution in the 90s and the early 90s, <clears throat> we saw more of political rap. We had a lot of political rappers. We had your public enemies, your Karis ones. We had your your dead prez. So we had a, we, it started to come up more of, you know what? I have this voice. I have this power. So let me speak out as to what's happening, what's happening in the world. And then and really the, the describing, again, what, part of the history is the describing of the ills that are happening in society. And again, outside of the braggadocious rhyme to show how much how better I am and more creative I am than you was also the part of, listen, I need to let the world know what's happening where I live. 
where I am at, somewhere where TV cameras don't come, where the news, the only, where the newspapers are, are writing their articles, where we are, where we're being victimized and, and traumatized in huge numbers. This was during the time of the, we had heroin, we had the crack epidemic. So we had to, this was our voice. This was our voice to the outside world, to the, to, to the powers that be that, listen, this is what's happening here. And so with that, especially with, you know, letting the powers that be know that we're here and that we exist was the advent of, of, of gangster rap. And so, which is a subsidiary of hip hop. And so a lot of people don't like the term gangster rap, but <laughs> listen, it's, it's, it's what it is. It's what it is. I don't really get into the names of this is this and that is that, but it's clearly a, a, a different type of style of rap. So where it's more in your face. So we're talking about NWA. We're talking about Ice T. We, they weren't just saying, listen, this is what's happening here. They, they saying, no, F the police because they did this. They, they, they infringed upon our human rights, our civil liberties. We're getting killed out here every day. So why should we, why should we respect you when this is happening in our society on a daily basis? Again, talking about the ills in society. And so that was on the West Coast and on the East Coast. Uh, a little bit later, we had our, our Wu-Tang clans who, again, who, who tried to do something similar, talking about the, again, the ills that were happening in society. And so we're talking about all these traumas that continue to build, that continue to build. Just we're talking about generational traumas. We're talking about traumas from the, what's happening currently in society. So during this time, again, as I said, that we had the crack epidemic. We had the, uh, we had the Ronald Reagan era. We had the George Bush era where times when you were African American, especially African American male was probably one of the most difficult times in American history. I mean, of course, outside of, outside of slavery, since we've been free in the civil rights movement. But we're, we're supposed to be free, but in reality, we aren't because there are so many, because the, the systemic racism that exists and systemic oppression wouldn't allow us to flourish. And so we also saw, again, we, just, we saw more and more of the describing of the ills. We saw crime, describing crime. We said we learned more about gangs. I learned about bloods and crips and, and gangster disciples and uh, a host of other gangs through listening to music. I wouldn't have never been privy to what a, that Crips wore blue and, and Bloods wore red. I wouldn't have known about gangster disciples in, in Chicago if I didn't if I didn't hear about this this rap. If I if I didn't listen to listen to rap and, and, and hearing and hearing artists describe what's going on in their communities. But on the opposite side, during this time, we also had we had our conscious rappers. You know, some people put tribe in that in that tribe called Quest into that arena of the conscious rappers. But again, they had they at times they had lyrics that were very in your face. We have our De La Souls and groups like that. So, but but nothing. Society was still ignoring us for the most part. Where our traumas were still being ignored, we were still ex being expected to to cope what was happening, and the light continued to shine on us and, and shine on hip hop in a negative way. 
and and nothing is was more polarizing than the Tupac Biggie rivalry, where maybe the rivalry wasn't as big as it, it was portrayed again in the media because we know the media tends to take things and run with it. But this really and truly brought hip hop to the forefront, especially with their deaths. And so it's their their untimely demise brought so much to light with regards to to violence and and just black on black crime in general. It was like putting black on black crime and how we're victimizing each other because we're so traumatized and we've been experiencing PTSD through systemic racism and oppression throughout our entire lives. It like put everything that we've experienced on display. And unfortunately, it wasn't the the idea of, and I believe it was it was a Tupac who said was talking about Steve Dolores talking. I was like, here, listen, we talking about what's happening in in our world, but it's not like you're you're not sitting here saying, oh, this is what's happening. Let's try to fix it. You're saying, listen, you shouldn't be talking about this, and it's it's perplexing, and it continues to be perplexing because this continues to exist. But again, this put this highlighted. Trauma, this magnified trauma at the highest level. And again, unfortunately, it, it culminated in the demise of two, two artists, two poets who continue to be lauded for their contribution to, to the genre and to music in general. And then we, we, we continue to progress because our trauma, it's, you know, as we're continuing to go, it's not like where our trauma has, is being addressed. It's not being addressed, whether even if we have a democratic president who, you know, who participates in mass incarceration, we continue to experience trauma. Thus, we this is our only voice in getting it out. Being hip hop, expressing it on hip hop, on television shows, we weren't being we weren't accurately depicting what was happening in in poor and disenfranchised uh, parts of of society, of parts of the black community. We would have the Cosby shows, we would have the different worlds, which were so needed. They were definitely needed to combat what was being portrayed in the media with the, by watching the news. I can't watch the news ever because all I see is black on black crime. I see negativity and stereotypes reinforced with regards to the black community. And I feel like by me watching, me watching that, I'm, I'm, I'm directly participating to reinforcing the stereotype. And so, and, if, and I'll talk about that dilemma that I have with listening to music a little later because the same dilemma exists. So we get to the 2000s where, Again, where we're talking about trauma and violence, but misogyny, and, and I'm thinking about the artists that I would listen to during this time period, and it seems as if misogyny really became to the forefront of, of hip hop. This is where we had our, our BT Young Cuts, where we're watching videos of, of women uh, behaving in, in sexually explicit ways. This is where the lyrics became predominantly about what women can do for us as men. It wasn't uplifting. It wasn't empowering. And I mean, it's, and it's, it's a slight deviation from what was happening prior to, because again, all for the majority of hip hop's uh, life, 
that has been the narrative. But in my in my eyes, it seems like to really hit to a uh, its peak in the 2000s, where again music videos we had video vixens and everybody wanted to 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 be in music videos. When I'm talking about everybody, I'm talking about women, and it just seemed like misogyny was at the forefront. So, and then we still had the, the type of rap with the drug dealing rap. We still had that. So continue to promote this idea that in order to be successful, if you either, as Biggie said, you either slain crack rock or got a wicked jump shot. That was the only way that you would make it out of impoverished situations. And so I go through that whole history. I know you're probably like, Phil Tree, like you're giving us this whole background and whole history of hip hop, because I think it's important to know where we came from. And in understanding how our trauma has evolved to where we are today. So where we are when I'm listening in the future, where we've gone from from drug dealing rap, which is bad enough, to talking about drug using. And so we have songs, Molly Percocets and the hooks. And it's it's cool to sing in the influence that he has. And I'm, I'm particular. I, the future is he's particularly interesting to me because I, for those who don't know, I am a, a speaker as well. And I go out to, to various places talking about talking about mental health. And I always bring up future. I bring up future because, one, I tell a story about how my brother passed away. God bless the dead. And how he he was uh, he was a user of uh, prescription medication. And unbeknownst to him, like like many black men, he had sleep apnea and which caused his heart to to slow down, to skip beats and things like that. And so when you're taking the sedatives that future raps about, there's a, a likelihood that there's a probability that your heart may stop completely and you may pass away. So we have our you know, we have the DJ screws. We have the pimp C's who have passed away as a result of their prescription drug use that they're using for for recreation so when i listen to future and i listen to him listen to him rapping i start thinking and i have no idea about his background really but, but i mean based off his music i do but i sit here and i i sit and think and i'm like okay so he has he talks about how he's, he grew up in an impoverished setting all right bang trauma that's traumatic because i'm sure he I don't know if he had a two parent household, but the resources he didn't have, he's probably had involvement with the police at, at some point, which many young black men do, um, do at times to no fault of their own. Then he's again, we, we, we're tend to be promiscuous. So misogyny factor tends to, to factor in. He has multiple kids by, by multiple women. So that's a stressor. And then he had a relationship with with the woman in Sierra who he he fathered a child and now she's moved on and she's in this relationship goals <laughs> relationship with Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson and he's taking family pictures with 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 little future. I don't know his name, so I'm gonna call him Little Future. What little future he's in the media, she, at one point she was bashing him, saying he was uh, an absentee father. He wasn't take care of, taking care of his responsibilities. 
So then when I sit back and I hear Molly Percocet, I'm like, well, yeah, of course you, you're going to use some type of drug to cope. You're going to use some type of drug to, to deal with the issues that you, that you have. Because we know in the black community, we, we're not going to sit here and nobody's sitting there saying, future, listen, you need to, you need to go to, to therapy. If you see a therapist about all the trauma that you've experienced throughout your life, that although you've been resilient and have become successful, that doesn't just leave you because you get older. Yes, you learn how to cope and you learn how to deal, but sometimes we learn how to deal in an unhealthy way. I doubt he has anybody in that camp, in his camp saying it. Listen, I know if it was me and I know if I'm if my daughter's mother was portraying me as being somebody that I feel that I'm not. That's heartbreaking to me because here we have we, we share something in common. So, yes, I would personally need to talk to somebody. I, I already feel that everybody in this world needs to see a therapist at some point in their life. Because this world is difficult as it is, especially as an African-American. So it's I just look at it as the impact that he's having, the impact that not only him, again, future is representative of the majority of, quote unquote, mainstream artists that we have these days where it's we've even got so far to where it's the artistry of it to where we try to use metaphors and similes to express what it is that we're feeling where we're just coming out and saying, listen, and when I listen to a lot of music, it's like, listen, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. When I hear, listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna have sex with this woman. And then the next tour, I'm gonna have sex with this woman. I hear I'm hurt. I'm hurt. My relationships with women are at some point in my life, they they haven't been the best or I'm lacking something. I'm lacking some type of self-esteem. And granted, I'm a therapist. <laughs> so, again, I listen to things and hear things different. But I think it's not even as, as clever as it once was. Because, again, what I'm listening to, I'm hearing I'm hearing just overt trauma. I need me a, a half a cup of promethazine before I go out. <laughs> whoa, that, whoa, you do, huh? You, you need a half a cup of promethazine to deal with the world? Why is that? I think we need to ask the question of why in hip hop. When you're, when, you're, when you're listening to this and you're hearing these lyrics, why? Why, why do you need this? Why are you feeling this way? I already think it's too many yes men. There's too many people who aren't going to tell you what the truth is. And so we end up having people who, again, we we have maladjusted children who turn into maladjusted adults. And so we laud them by their talent. Listen, I'm not going to be I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite and say that and, and portray that I've been woke for for 33 years of my life. That I've been super insightful. No, I, I haven't been. But I've continued to grow and I've continued to mature and I've continued to progress. And so that's why I don't want to be hypocritical of somebody like Future or Meek Mill, who they're still relatively young. They still have an opportunity to to be awakened. 
they still have the opportunity to see the impact that their music may have on somebody else. I'm a firm believer that you have to be cognizant about what you're intaking. What are you bringing in? What are you taking into your spirit? What are you feeding yourself? What are you feeding into the parts of your quad, your mental, your mental health, your emotional wellness, your spiritual health? But again, I don't want to sound, sit up here and say sound hypocritical. Listen, I listen to Future. March Madness continues to be one of my favorite songs. I prefer not to know what the lyrics are because I, I can't say the words word for word, but I know it feel, it makes me feel a type. It makes me feel good. And so when I when I said earlier about it's this this constant battle, it's this struggle. Because here I am on one hand, I'm like, listen, we could do without that. We have a lot going on in the African-American community where we don't need you anymore to, to tell us how much you're hurting to promote this way of life. But then on the other hand, I'm like, listen, he might not be at that point where he's he's grown. He's he's, he's ready for change in that area. So we, he could be used as an example to, and I, I've used him as an example. This is, look at that. Look at, look at what's happening. Look at what he's saying. Don't just nod your head to the beat in agreement. Listen to what's being said. Because what's being said is is trauma-filled. It's hurt-filled. And so it's something that it's something that we need we need to be aware of. We need to be aware of what's happening with our children. Because again, maladjusted children who don't know how to cope as 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 children, that doesn't change as you get older. Yes, you're resilient to make it to that point. But again, we start finding unhealthy, unhealthy methods to deal. And so I'm left with the question of how do we heal? How do we heal as a, as a hip hop community? Because I consider myself a part of the hip hop generation. I was born in 1983. How do I how do we heal as a hip hop generation from all the trauma that we've experienced? Well, I think the first step is the first step is that we have to we have to acknowledge that we're we've been traumatized. I don't think we acknowledge it enough. Granted, we hear it and we see it on, on a daily basis, but we don't really internalize what it means to be traumatized. When you look on TV and you see somebody that looks just like you have been killed by somebody just like you or by somebody else who's supposed to be in a. a a figure who's supposed to keep you safe. Or when we go to, when we go without in, in a community where we aren't the majority and how the looks that we get in the comments that we get and how to, how to deal with that type of, with that type of racism. We have to truly acknowledge what's happening in our school systems when our kids go to schools and they have they don't have the, the requisite. Uh, our teachers don't have the requisite knowledge in learning how to deal with children who are who who have been traumatized. We don't have the materials there to teach our children. It's funny, I, I, I was with a, a client of mine today 
and he he told me he goes to a, an affluent school. He's, he's in an affluent school district, so they get computers to take home for the year. And so I think about the school system here in the Philadelphia public school system, where you're lucky if you get a book that's not beat up and broken down. Where some of these families, when we get home, there's no access to Internet. The local libraries aren't as welcoming and helpful as we would like for them to be. It always blows my mind when I go into the library and I say, listen, uh, my my client would like a library card. And they say, well, we need some type of proof of identification or and we need an adult. And I'm like, listen, it's just a library card. It's a library card. They just want to read. They just want to get on the come here and get on the computer. But we have to go through the hoops. And, the, and a lot of times the parents have become so stressed by by the lack of resources and accessibility, but he's just like, man, forget it. And so, so here we have another child who's going to continue to grow up, who lacks information, because that's what it is. They're just lacking, we lack information. The information isn't disseminated equally within the communities. And so that's why it's important. It's incumbent upon us as the African-American community to teach our own to inform our own, to do whatever we can do to provide the resources so they can be well-adjusted adults. And so again, we have to embrace the idea that we have been traumatized. Now, and we're not just talking about slavery because again, we, we know that narrative. We understand that already. We were slaves. Back in the days, as Cameron said, back in the days we were slaves whips and chains. Now, which tradition? All I got, whips and chains. You got to Google that. I was listening. And when I talk about, listen, that's why I love, I love this, this genre of music. I do. I love the creativity. Like I, I, when I first heard that line, I was just like, Woo! like back in the days we were slaves, whips and chains. Now it's tradition. All we got is whips and chains and so we're talking about whips, cars, chains that we wear. It was it was like, listen, that was a. I mean, just the, the creativity aspect of, of that verse, but it somehow, again, that continues to get lost to where we are in the mainstream society in, in mainstream hip hop. Again, there's there's wonderful artists who are doing great things. With the, and who are mindful about the content that they're bringing out. So we have one of my favorites. You have Talib Kweli. You have your Kendrick Lamar's. Uh, I like Kendrick especially, not necessarily his music. I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest fan of his music. I don't go check and see what he's, you know, I'll listen to it. I'll give it a once through, but I'm not the biggest Kendrick Lamar fan. But I became a fan of his when I watched the interview and he talked about the depression that he went through. When he was open and honest and candid about experiencing depression. Because we know in the hip hop generation, and especially within the African-American community, we don't talk enough about what it is that what's going on inside of our head. Because we have this idea where we have to be where manhood means something. Where manhood means not expressing how you feel. 
where manhood means degrading another man or another woman in an attempt to, to emasculate, emasculate them, to bring them down. And so in a society, in a community where that is prevalent, it's refreshing to hear somebody like Kendrick who says, listen, I've been depressed. Listen, this is what's this is what's happening to me. This is what's happening with me. Now, again, there's, there's multi-layer. We're all multi-layer. So I'm not going to peg him as this conscious rapper because then I've heard things where he said, well, man, you know what? I don't necessarily agree with. But again, it's the, the makings of a man. And it's about progression. It's about as you continue to grow and as you continue to evolve and become cognizant, aware of what's happening with you as an individual. And how to protect your overall wellness. And so the second idea was how we can heal. We have to reclaim our music. We have to reclaim our music. The beautiful thing about the, the social media area area. The social media era is that now a lot of the content is our own. It's ours. We own it. We don't have to go to a major record label to produce it. No, I can take this. If I wanted to spit a hot 16, I could do that right now. And listen, yo, my name is Tree. They used to call me P. Now I'm around the tree. Like, okay, I'm not a rapper. But I could take those bars, no matter how bad they are, and I could put them on SoundCloud. And I can have people listen to what it is that I have to say. Nobody's telling me and controlling me as to what I can produce, what I can put out there, like what was happening during the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And so that's one way that we've evolved in a positive way. But we have to continue to reclaim our music. We can't let somebody tell us the narrative of our lives. And once we reclaim, we, once we reclaim that, then we can promote all narratives. But we have to be diligent in that. With the radio stations, radio stations play maybe about 10, maybe 10, 10 songs a day. The same 10 songs over and over again. We have the power to say, listen, no, nah, you know what? That's not what I want to hear. Listen, I want to hear this. I want to hear this. Now, we have to come together as a collective and speak out on it. Like, I'm certain if somebody came out and, 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 and they boycotted Mask Off, the Molly Percocet. At some point, the radio station will, will give in. Because we, we possess that power. Hip hop is a billion dollar industry. It, it's everywhere. It exists everywhere. Our music is being, our music, our style, our, our slang, our culture is being pimped by people that do not look like us and who have no idea of the, tra the trauma that it took to make hip hop what it is. So again, we need to reclaim that and we need to, we need to heal our communities. We need to heal our communities. That takes work from, from not only the president, our government, both state and federal. That takes us being in the communities. That takes us when we're in the store and we hear a young fella or a young sister 
saying the N-word, saying the B-word to one another. Saying, nah, nah, not at all. That's not how you should be communicating with somebody who looks like you. You shouldn't be communicating with that to anybody at all. But especially to somebody that looks like you, just based off the trauma that we've experienced. And again, I'm a firm believer that we all need therapy, that we all need therapy. Our artists, they're just the ones that are on the mainstream that have gotten the push. But it's a young fellow out here that's 16 who's rapping about about what's happened to him. What he's seen. It's the young sister out here who's rapping about what's happened to her, what she's seen. These are the people who we really need to be reaching. Because again, a maladjusted child turns into a maladjusted adult. And so just because they rap and they have a talent, that doesn't change. It just gets promoted and reinforced. But I, but I'm, I'm confident where we're going with regards to hip hop, because again, I love it. I love it. I am hip hop. I live and breathe hip hop. But I'm going to be critical of it. I'm going to be critical of it and say that we need to do better. We need to do better. We need to take this trauma narrative and we need to embrace it. And we need to destroy it. So we can we can blossom and we can come out of the fire and rise like a phoenix because we we possess those capabilities. As a community, as an African-American community, we possess the, the, the capabilities to rise. Because we are so resilient. As a people. Listen, I want to thank you guys for turning in for, for tuning in to No Booking Info, episode 20, Hip Hop Trauma. Or maybe I should name Molly Percocet. That might get, you know, might be, oh, clickbait. But again, I appreciate you guys. Feel free to tune in or to, to catch me on Instagram at Phil, P-H-I-L underscore Quadify, Q-U-A-D-E-F-Y. We also have the No Booking Info page, no underscore booking underscore info on Instagram. So listen, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.